Welcome CCW family to our online January series, Habits of a Healthy Heart. This has been inspired by Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart, which I recommend to you. Um, but the content of this is all from scripture, um, and it's about the health of our hearts. It's about the diseases that can affect our hearts and the simple remedies that God has in play that we can build into habits for our hearts. And we're looking forward to exploring this through January. Um, we did this series uh, about seven years ago, and so you may remember some of it oh, if you were here um, then, but it'll be a great refresher for us anyway in that space. Um, when I was a physiotherapist before I was a pastor, I spent some time in cardiac rehab where people came um, to, to exercise their hearts following a cardiac event, like a, a heart attack or unstable angina um, or cardiomyopathy or they had bypass grafts or something like that and their hearts were sick or injured and they needed to exercise their hearts. And so we were physios and we were running those sessions and, um, and we'd check everyone's vital signs before we started, make sure they were um, healthy enough to start. And then we were given these instructions. Um, I know you normally push through pain, we would say. I know it's usual for you to just sort of soldier on. But in this class, please, if you notice even the smallest pain, take notice of it and stop and tell us. It can be a pain anywhere, in your head, in your jaw, in your neck, even if it's a little thing on, your, on the tip of your little finger. If you feel pain, just don't, don't keep going. Just stop and, and tell us. If you feel nauseous or dizzy or lightheaded don't, or short of breath, don't, don't just keep going. Take notice of your symptoms and stop and tell us. Why? Because it could be a heart. It could be a heart. We don't want anyone to die here. So take notice of your symptoms because it could be your heart. We'll come back to that analogy. Because when the Bible talks about our hearts, When the Bible talks about our hearts, it doesn't mean the physical thing that beats inside our chest. The heart that the Bible speaks of is the other heart, the core of us, the, the thing inside us that lifts when we hear a great love story or a part of us that swells up when our kids win something. It's the thing that gets broken when our partner leaves. It what makes us, makes us cry or scream when we, or retreat when we get hurt. It, it moves us to feed the hungry. It's the thing that makes us get angry or annoyed or resentful. It's the part of us that marvels at the sunrise and the thing that feeds our road rage. It's, it's the seedbed of all of our desires. It's where all of our attitudes and behaviours rise from. It's the core of who we are, that heart. It's the place inside that God gave us when he, when he breathed life into dust and made humanity. It's the heart is the point of connection with our Creator and it's the place that our, all our relationships at a deep level are, are formed and broken. And Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. The seedbed of all of our desire, from which flows all our attitudes and behaviours. And life can be uh, pretty hard on the heart. So the, the uh, wise person here in Proverbs, guard your heart. Life can be pretty hard on the heart. The world is full of outside influences and internal struggles that have the potential to disrupt the rhythm and function of our heart. And some of those disruptions are huge and sudden and others are more subtle, but inevitably our hearts suffer the pain and the disappointment that life throws at us and in aspects of our hearts we become unwell. There's a rhythm that our hearts were created to maintain, but if we're honest we know that life has thrown it out of sync in some spaces. Some of these disruptors to our heart's function have been in place for so long that we just kind of live with them. 
We say, yeah, no, that's not, I oh, know, but it's just who I am. But it's not who you're created to be. It's not who God wants you to be. Um, and there's more for you. So let me ask you this as we get into this. How are things with your heart? Um, this is not a question about your job or your finances or your family or your school. It's about your heart. How are things with your heart? This is, this is a different question. It's an awkward question. It's a great question, actually. How are things with your heart? We don't ask the question very often. The Bible answers that question a lot, as we'll see through this series. So why don't we ask that question? Maybe because... We don't, we don't want to because it just feels too invasive. How's my, how's my heart? I'm fine. How am I going? I'm fine. But there's no health in denial. And we know God wants more for us than that. Uh, maybe um, we don't really understand the question. How are things with my heart? I don't know what you mean. Because since we've been little, we've been taught to behave um, by external consequences more than by internal drives. So, for example, I learned not to use foul language at home. In my day, that was like bum and gee whiz. So, you kids are lucky nowadays. But if I said those words, I would get uh, washed my mouthwash out with soap and water. So, I learned not to say those words when I'm dead with you. External consequence. I fear the consequence, so I will behave. Or, I want the consequence, so I will behave. So, I weeded my veggie garden patch. And I got 20 cents, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in those days he bought me a bag of lollies, which was fantastic. Um, and that extends into our adult life too. We, when we're behind the wheel of a car, most of us don't speed, and the reason most of us don't speed is because we don't want the consequence of speeding, um, which is either a police car or um, you know, damage caused or whatever. Um, so there's... External things that kind of control our behaviour. We might, we might, um, we might be nice to our boss, even though we don't want to, because we don't want to jeopardise our work, um, career paths, and things like that. We have external um, parameters around us that control our behaviour, and we've learned to do life with these kind of laws and controls around us that mitigate behaviour. And that's functional. You need that. We all want to kind of, you know, uh, eat well and sleep indoors and get along. So. We need those things in our society, but none of those things actually control the heart. None of those things help the heart. And if we just focus on behaviour and we ignore the heart, we run into trouble. The true condition of our heart is masked. The rhythm gets more and more disrupted. Um, the arteries clog up and it's inevitable that every now and again, our heart slips past the boundaries that we have outside. I don't know if this happens to you, um, when you just go like, when you're in a conversation somewhere and you think, well, I can't believe I just said that. What just came out of my mouth? Or, I don't know why I did that. That's not like me at all. Why did I react like that? I, that that's so not me. Um, you ever had those things? I don't know where that came from, we think. Yeah, well, Jesus can tell us where it came from. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus said in Matthew 12, or in your Bible it might say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the random thought that I have about that person, the resentment I have to swallow, the words I have to bite back, 
that's the overflow of my heart. It's scary sometimes the place my heart goes, the thoughts and attitudes and words and actions that bubble up in me from my heart. Not that you see it very often because we're a church and we're all in our best behaviour here. Who cops the negative overflow of my heart? It's the people who are closest to me, my family, my wife, my two boys. Um, because we're, when our guard's down, it comes out more. It's sad, isn't it, that the people we love the most, we hurt the most. Because why? Because of our hearts. Because our hearts are sick and unwell. Hmm. How do you go at home with your family? Or when you're on your own. And if I ask you again, how are things with your heart? See, God's very interested in our hearts. He's not pleased when our hearts are sick and all twisted up and we pretend to be good. Jesus was really strong on this. Listen to his, his rant here against the religious leaders in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. God is not impressed with my good behaviour when I've got a greedy heart. I'm like a painted tomb. I need to be clean on the inside, on the inside, in the heart. And we can't fix this problem with more rules. We'll try. We'll say, let's add another rule to the rule to make sure that people obey the first rule and we'll just keep laying layers of compliance over this to control all of the... You can't fix the heart with rules. The religious leaders in Jesus, they tried to do this. They had... They had the Mosaic law, that is the law that God had given the people through Moses that it was written down. They had that law, but to make sure people didn't break that law, they added all these laws to the laws. Um, and um, So they have a law, like something like, uh, you know, no, no commerce on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest, don't buy and sell stuff on the Sabbath. And they go, oh, we better, um, to make sure that people don't buy and sell stuff on the Sabbath, we'll add this other law. And then this other one, this other one, until the point where they got, they got to this point where if anyone touched money at all oh, on the Sabbath, they broke the law. What? No, just don't buy and sell stuff. That was the law, but all these layers of extra laws, and they called that the tradition of the elders. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were really, they were big on this, and Jesus was not big on this. <laughs> For this next reading, you need to know um, that one of the made-up rules in the tradition of the elders was that to be clean, to eat, you had to do the ceremonial hand-washing from the tip of your fingers to, um, to your elbow. Now, in the Mosaic law, the law that God had given people, this is about having clean hands to eat your food, but they created this um, whole um, regime around it where you had to do this ceremonial hand-washing that went from here to here. Well, Jesus and his disciples... Um, they're eating away. They didn't do the ceremonial hand wash. Uh, it sets up this showdown in Matthew 15. Now you need to look it up because I don't have it up on the screen. I'm saying verse 1, Matthew 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, huh, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, then they don't have to, or they're not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You might not have understood that example. It doesn't matter now. The point is, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. When he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Um, Jesus doesn't mince words here. He says, look, there's something God wants for you. But you've added all these rules to it, and your stupid human rules are getting in the way of what God wants for you. You hypocrites. You say you honor God, but your hearts are elsewhere. Strong words from Jesus. And then he turns to the crowd for the rest of the lesson here, verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand what goes into somebody's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. And the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Well, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dark? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? The heart. These defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands is not defile them. Shocking to that culture, actually. That food was not important in the clean and clean thing. That's a sermon for another time. But also shocking was that that what I say comes from my heart. Not just the things I say, my actions and the thoughts I have too, they come from my heart. That's what makes me unclean, not my behavior, my heart. My heart. Also, this makes it sound like everything I say and do comes from my heart. Surely not. I say things that I mean sometimes. And, and, and my mind goes to bad thoughts sometimes. Is that my... Yes, that's my heart. That's my heart. It's the wellspring of my life, and everything we experience in life is filtered through our hearts, whether we realize it um, or not. We might say, I'm fine, but you know, if you've got anger that just bubbles up and you keep kind of being angry about stuff, it's probably your heart. And if you're feeling unsettled and discontent and for no particular reason, well, it's probably. Your heart, and if you can't shake the resentment you have towards someone, you're hanging on to past hurts, that's your heart. And if you feel jealous, and everyone feels jealous, right? You know, but if you feel that envy inside you, what if that that is that's our hearts. That's our hearts. We might say I'm fine, but all this stuff is going on inside of us. And Jeremiah reminds us this the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You might have desperately wicked or depraved, but the point is, can't be fixed. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Um, who can understand it? Who can diagnose it? What amazing capacity our hearts have to deceive us. To rearrange the information in such a way that we look better than we actually are. To manipulate and rationalise and wheedle out of things. It's my deceitful heart selling me lies, always selling me lies, selling me lies to protect itself and to promote itself. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God sees it all. He examines it all. All the sickness and the hiding and the deceit in our hearts is laid bare before God and we have no way to fix it. It's beyond cure. And if we left just to our own devices with these hearts, we're beyond cure. All we can do is patch up our hearts, try and minimize the damage until we kind of stumble into our death. And then we kind of, you know, like, what, we're going to waltz into God's presence with this mangled old deceitful beat up heart? We do that, we're in trouble. We're toast. Thankfully, Jesus Christ died for us to reconcile us with God so he could give us a new heart. And we have the Spirit of God. If we're following Jesus, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us and our hearts have hope. Maybe, maybe you say, well, I'm a Christian, but I've got to say my heart's still pretty deceitful. Um, hands up if you think your heart's still pretty deceitful. Um, and if you didn't put your hands up, you need to put another hand up. If you're proud, no. <laughs> all of us have got deceitful hearts. All of us. It's just a condition of the human heart. We all know we've still got this old heart uh, in us. But we've given our lives to Jesus, those of us that have. And the Spirit of God's in us, and He's transforming our hearts, but the old heart still pops up. Mine does. Anyway, I've been following Jesus every day for 30 years, more than three decades now, and on a regular basis, I would think, whoa, what was that? That's my, that's me, that's my deceitful old heart. Just telling me lies, trying to protect itself, trying to promote itself. Um, The heart is deceitful. Our hearts are deceitful. Only God, only God can diagnose and help and he wants to. God doesn't... It's not like he's just going, oh, I can see all of this mess. I can see your muck. I can see your... I can see all of it. I can see everything that your heart wants and, and desires. I can see all the filth that's there. I can... Um, you bad, bad people. It's not... God isn't looking down in disdain. He sees it all. And he has offered solutions for us. He loves us. He's for us. He's saying, yeah, I'm the only one who can diagnose it, and I will... And I'll show you how to get a healthy heart. I'll show you habits of a healthy heart. Because there are. There are remedies and they're brilliant. We're going to look at four main diseases of the heart across this series. And we're going to look at these remedies that are brilliant. They are so simple to understand. Not easy to do in our own strength, but God's power is behind every single one of these remedies that he wants to bring to us to help us. Um, to bring healing into these spaces in our hearts. And not just uh, like we were doing as physios, trying to just patch up the remnants of what was left of someone's life. Um, you know, just eke out, the, you know, maximise the quality of life with their damaged, diseased heart. Uh, something different for us. 
um, this for us. God's promise through Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Um, and the Apostle Peter reminds us too that Christ's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, we can participate in the divine nature. The life of God can come to us, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is the journey God has for us. His divine nature, His life, the purity of everything that He wants for you and through you. Replacing our old hearts, replacing your old heart with all of its selfish um, desires and these simple remedies for these conditions of our hearts. So, I hope you're ready. And hey guys, as we go through this series, when you feel that kind of like, ooh, that was a little bit uncomfortable, or oh, I'm not sure if that should you know, apply, or oh, that, I don't know if I should, but I just please take notice of the symptoms because it could be a heart. And God wants to bring newness into your life. Because he loves you. James calls us to stay humble, submit ourselves to God, humble ourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. And as we start this journey over the next four weeks, here's the prayer that I want us to be focused on this week as we head into that. Father God, my heart is open to you. Um, But don't pray this just with your lips or with your mind. Father God, my heart is open to you. Easy words to say. But if you can, close your eyes if it helps you. If you can, take yourself down inside your heart. Where your desires come from. Inside the place where all the secrets are buried. Where all the fears reside. Where all the insecurities come from. Inside that place that is you, that is you, that is you, that is a hidden place that you hardly ever look at yourself. If you if you can go down there and then say, in here, Father God, my heart is open to you. I will submit to you. I will humble myself before you. Father God, my heart is open to you. If you'll pray it there, then God will do amazing things in your life. He'll give you a new heart. And I hope he does. And I hope you let him. I'm going to try and let him afresh this January. I hope you come with me. Father God, my heart is open to you. Amen.